Hey everyone, it's Adam Himmelsbach with the Boston Globe. We're here with, um, I guess, technically our second on the Parquet podcast this season. Gary, it's been kind of a readjusting period for us. You know, we've been busy writing, telling good stories, and we've slacked a little bit on the podcast, but we're going to keep them coming. It's going to be back here at Boston Sports Club, one of our favorite haunts, where we hear uh, barbells clanging in the background. If no one's ever listened before, that you know, there's not like any kind of emergency. That's all that's happening. Or if you hear weird '90s songs, like play the gym you know you know like a like a gym song so i feel like gym songs are always like 90s songs typically yeah you know <laughs> i don't know but anyway we have a lot to talk about this the celtics are uh as of as of this recording five and five it's been kind of a weird start to the season they've had some tough losses but they also have yet to play a game with their full team marcus smart was out for the start of the season, Kelly Olynyk was out for the start of the season. Then just around the time they were coming back, Al Horford's been out with a concussion, and Jay Crowder's been out with a pretty bad sprained ankle. Um, Al Horford should be back soon, we think. We thought, you know, we thought he would play on this recent trip because they said he would only go if there was a good chance he was going to play. Of course, con- you know, concussions can be weird, and it's better safe than sorry on something like that. Uh, Jay Crowder today, we saw he'd, he'd been in, in flip-flops at practice most of the time. Today, he, he didn't practice, but he's... In sneakers and shorts, and he was getting a little workout in, putting some jumpers up. So, you know, I think when they get those guys back, you'll have a better gauge on where this team is. But what do you make, Gary, of maybe these, this first 10 games with the injuries, aside from the injuries, what stood out to you? I think that they've been a – I think it's been disappointing, to be honest with you. And you can take into the fact that they haven't had Hort for seven games and Crowder for, I want to say, four or five but just the lack of rebounding, some of the guys haven't played to their potential, some of the losses, the Denver loss at home, I don't care what lineup you throw out there. The Nuggets haven't won since, by the way, Adam. Yeah. I mean, since that game. That was like eight days ago. So that just shows you, I mean, and then the New Orleans game, is an ex- the team's 1-9, 0-5 at home. I swear, Adam, like before it took off, there was literally like 2,500 people in that place. It filled up a little bit. You know, early start, it's New Orleans, people probably coming from dinner and kind of the hangover from the Saints loss, which was brutal, by the way, the night, the day before, and the, the city was shook, shook. You think, you know, people are shook up here about losses with the Patriots. They were really, you know, just crestfallen over that. You know. But the, haven't the Saints been horrible all season? Yeah, but they lost, like, on an extra point Oh, return. that was that crazy play, yeah. Yeah, the extra point yeah. return for a touchdown that they were going to go ahead, and, yeah, I mean, yeah. with, like, one minute left. So, yeah, they were... Brutal. So there's no atmosphere at this basketball game, is what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, so, and yet... So you're not facing, like, an intense road game where it's going to... Exactly, hurt. and then you hold, like, Anthony Davis a 7 for 25 shooting. You do a great job on him defensively, and you still lose the game. So this team, if you ask me, I'd give, you know, the loss to Chicago excusable, the loss to Cleveland excusable... Um, but you know they should be seven and three. So I think it's a slight disappointment. Let's see what happens when they get their lineup back. But these guys got to st- you know there's certain guys that need to step up their game and start playing better. And for sure the 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 panic level among among fans is is escalating for just from interactions we have with them. Emails you get, Twitter um, interactions. I tend to take the other side that look they Jay Crowder and Al Horford are arguably their second and third best player, whatever, third and fourth best player, depending on how you rate Avery and Isaiah. Kelly Olenek is a, a key contributor. He had a rough game against New Orleans, but the, prior to, he'd played really well, and you saw what an impact he can make when he's out there healthy and playing well. Uh, you know, why, why are you making a face when I say that? He, Gary, I Kelly, Ke- Kelly had been playing pretty well had, prior to that New Orleans game. He played 
he played well against uh, the Knicks, and he played solidly against the Pacers, but Monday was kind of a Kelly game, yeah. <laughs> and it had its fingerprints all over it, the foul, and it, it, it's not his fault, Adam. I mean, there was one foul, I think his fourth foul, where he fell in front of Anthony Davis, who literally dribbled past him, hit him in the head with his, like, upper thigh, and Kelly got the foul. And, like, Kelly's, like, on his butt, like, what did I do? I literally just it was here, and he ran into me. Why are you always dogging Kelly, man? I love to do, but <laughs> stuff just, there's certain guys, Adam, as we grew up, just bad things happen to him. Or every time you'd see a guy, you'd be like, you wouldn't believe it. It was like, I would believe this. What happened? You got your car stolen. Like, stuff. That's and Kelly on the court for you. That's Kelly on the court, man. Right, so that aside, <laughs> he, there are also times where he can be a real key contributor yes. for this team. Things he can right, do as a shooter, right. you know, a passer, space on the floor. Um, so my, my general idea is let's see them when they're together. Let's see when you have your second unit has Marcus and Kelly in it. Your starting lineup has Jay and Al Horford in it. Guys are learning to play together, got, found their rhythm together, and then let's see where they are. Five and five, it's not something where all of a sudden you're out of contention for that two seed or something like that. You're still right there. You're a couple, game, a couple games behind. But, you know, there are going to be issues. Like rebounding, I think even when Al Horford and Jay Crowder come back, rebounding is still going to be an issue for this team, and I think the Celtics are aware of that. Um, how do they, I guess, how can they approach that with the group they have now? Say they don't, say they don't go make a move um, soon to try to help rebounding or shuffle things up. How can they, how can they change this now? Or, I mean, well, you saw that Knicks game. There was one possession that they had five offensive rebounds. After the third one, fans started moaning, like, oh, here we go. And then there was the fourth one. Then they started booing. Then there was fifth. The five, I'm not sure I've ever seen five offensive rebounds on one, on one uh, possession. How can they fix that? How can they make it so, not necessarily it's going to be a strength of theirs, but why they're not, a way that they're not just getting absolutely punished? I think that's happened, Adam. I'm going to take the positive side of this. That's happened over the last few games. Even the Knicks game, they didn't get pounded on the boards. They didn't get pounded against Indiana. And they didn't get, although it seemed like New Orleans only got credit for eight offensive rebounds. I thought they had like 38 given the way, like, Terrence Jones, and you saw the game last night. Throwing out one-handed putback slam. Yeah, like, like, dude, is this, like, Kentucky Terrence? Like, this is the, this is the dude that was supposed to be, like, kind of a star. Brad said he team. always kills them for whatever reason. He does. He, he just certain teams. And then, you know, t- you know, Solomon Hill gets, like, you know, a couple of key offensive rebounds. But they didn't get pounded last night, even with Anthony Davis getting 16 boards. Um I just think, like you said, you have to make it less of a weakness, and it just—it's going to take hard work. It's going to take guys like Kelly, Avery's averaging eight and a half rebounds a game. I think that's great. That's for been him. pretty incredible, yeah, actually. Like, That's—I mean—he is having a, a very standout season, but I think it's on guys also. Like Amir's got to rebound better. I mean, the dude's six eleven, six ten. I mean, he's got to impose his will on the boards. If he's not going to score as much. He's going to have to defend and he's going to have to rebound at a higher level. He's never going to be a, he's never been a high volume rebounder and neither is Horford, but Amir's got to step up. That, that is one thing people have to, a lot of fans here aren't familiar with Horford. He's never been like a 12 rebound no. guy. That's not his, not necessarily his eight, game. Nine, eight and a half, nine. I think you're at eight and a half, nine, you're, you're really happy with where you're him. at. He'll get a capable, but he, you're talking about, you know, he ain't no Andre Drummond, De, uh, yeah. Dwight Howard or DeAndre Jordan. This is not happening. So. And Amir, it seems like a lot of times his his greatest strength on the glass is like batting the ball back as opposed to boxing guy out and kind of cuffing a rebound. It's kind of more of the volleyball tip to someone else, which can be effective at yeah. times too. But I think, like you said, I think they've got to find a way to uh, have him do that, pull those down as well. 
Um, how about Avery Bradley? I mean, he's off to his, his shooting is, isn't quite as scorching red hot as it was early in the season, but he's kind of doing everything for this team right now. Some of it out of necessity. Obviously, no one's expecting him to finish the season averaging eight or nine rebounds a game. But what do you think he's done taking on that? I guess taking that leadership role, working on shooting, working on his passing, working on his rebounding, and and the fact that he's still 25. Like you know, I think he's be 26 soon. But you, you forget how young he is just because how long he's been here. Yeah, I mean, I think he's finally. That's not finally. I mean, he was a one-and-done kid. He was a, always been a plus defender, Adam, but his offense had a lot to be desired, his jump shot. He's worked feverishly on his game to where now he's in the middle of his career or he's in his sixth year, not, maybe not the middle, toward the middle, approaching that mid-level area, and he's peaking, and that's what you want. But He's kind of the idea of what you want from a, a guy who's a one-and-done who might have a lot of flaws or might have not have the skill set that uh, you want him to have, and then eventually he gains it. He's turned into a plus three-point shooter. You know, he's just my only issue with Avery is is he doesn't get to the free throw line. And as a shooting when you, a shooting guard in a championship team has to get to the free throw line. You just I'm not talking about you know Kevin Durant level or even Isaiah level. Isaiah kind of takes that in, like he he takes the free throws in, and but Avery got to the line twice last night. And as I asked. Isaiah had asked, like, freaking um, Tim Frazier got to the free throw line eight times last night. Like, you know, Archie Goodwin got to the line six times. Avery got to the line two times last and that's night. That's generally what he averaged, a little less than yeah, two like for his he, career. He's got to, it's got to be four. It's, it's never going to be nine. Is that something that can change? I mean, he's, you know, whatever, seven or eight years into his career, is that, and he's never, never. I mean, he's never gotten a line at all. Is that something you, you can change? I mean, or is that just part of his game? basket more, but it's also officials. I mean, you, you've seen it. We watch games together. I mean, Isaiah, I mean, he, I don't think he gets as much calls as he could, but he definitely gets some calls that he probably doesn't, shouldn't. Like, you know, when he gets, good, you know, the guy just hits him with the body, er, yeah. flip, you know, whistle. Like, he has a reputation of he's going to attack the basket. And I think Avery needs to get that. So moving ahead a little bit, um, the Warriors are coming to town Friday. It seems to have lost a little bit of the, of the luster that we were expecting. I mean, last year when they came, what were they, 22-0? and 24-0. 24-0. They come in, and it was like this amazing buzz, this, this historic record they're chasing. The, Clay Thompson didn't play, but still the Celtics took him to double overtime, I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, and even leading up to the game, there was buzz. This year feels a little different. One, it's just earlier in the season. Two, the Celtics have had a quiet start. And three, the Warriors, quite frankly, have had kind of a quiet start. You know, they got stomped immediately by the Spurs. They've lost to the Lakers. They've struggled. I mean, they played, I think, the Pelicans and the Suns twice each, and they've struggled at times in all of those games against some of the lower-rung teams. Do you get, you know, I know you watch a good amount of, around the league. Do you get the sense that they're trying to figure things out right now, or are they more kind of toned down and coasting a little bit, saying, all right, like, we're not worried about any 73 wins this year. Let's stay healthy. Let's figure this out, and we'll be fine later on. I think they're just trying to figure out what they have. I mean, I mean remember, like, okay, they – Signed Durant, but remember, you know, they lost two guys who will be in here tomorrow, Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut. They got rid of, like, Brandon Rush, Festus Azili. Um, I mean, who else? Like, like two or three other guys. Yeah, Spates. Like, they literally killed their bench. So now they've got David West, Zaza Pachulia. I mean, they got guys in there who need to find out what's going on. JaVale McGee. I mean, you've got... Like they don't, they're still trying to form chemistry. They're still trying to get used to Kevin Durant, and they like the Celtics. They don't rebound or defend in the middle, so teams are taking advantage of that. 
So they're just finding themselves. I mean, they're eight and two. I don't have a, you know, you're right. Very advantageous schedule. Two against the Suns and the Pelicans. Um, you know, they ki- killed Oklahoma City last week. I think they'll be fine, but I do think that they're going to have to start. They, they need to find it quicker because remember, the Clippers are ten and one. And the Clippers, yeah, Clippers are, look great right yeah, now. They're wiping people out. Like the Clippers are playing mad, and I think. I think they, for a year, have been one of the nicest teams in the league. Like, they don't – like, the coaches are playing like they're, they're pissed pissed off at somebody, and that's a good thing. Speaking of pissed off <laughs> – no, I'm just kidding. Well, no, actually, I'm not kidding. I was – zero. Uh, Celtics fans, I'm guessing, are going to be a little bit pissed off at Kevin Durant. Last summer, the story of the summer, they thought there was a chance he was going to come here. Obviously, he had the famous visit, Tom Brady in the house, rolling down, flashing Super Bowl rings, t- Kevin Durant's favorite athlete. Apparently, um, didn't happen. Went to the Warriors. I almost feel like if he didn't come here and went to the Thunder, people wouldn't have even been that upset about it because that was what, you know, that's his team. That's where, he grew, that's where he started his career, blah, blah, blah. But I almost felt the combination of, all right, he stifled the Celtics and he picked the Warriors, the 73 Warren Warriors. People here are not Kevin Durant fans right now. What do you think the reception will be on Friday night for him? You know, I don't think it will be as harsh as expected. I think there's people who will dislike him, not because he blew off the Celtics, but because he signed with the Warriors. But also, I do think there are people who, who if the Celtics hadn't signed Al Horford, then I think there'd be an issue. If they, like, ended up with some, you know, basically overpaid guy to, to, to take, then I think be like there'd be some real anger. But I think, I don't think Celtics fans actually thought that they had a real shot. I think they feel like it went as far as it was going to go. They start. Well, they started. That started a shift towards. Wait a minute. Do we have? It started up as like, oh, the oh, that's cool. We got a meeting. Yeah. I and they're like, wait a minute. Thing. Yeah. yeah and then the, when there was buzz that maybe it wasn't going to be the Thunder, like the Thunder that would move off to the side, when that was the assumption, I think there was a, a real, a real shift that not necessarily that they became the favorites, but that hey, but this might happen. Yeah. But they, they they went from let's say five percent to maybe thirty five percent. But I just think the the Warriors are going to take on the villain role. They're the pretty team. They're the team with the with the with the poster boys and the Currys and the Thompsons. And Durant's one of those guys. And there's going to be resentment that he joined a super team. And these guys are from California, and the weather's great. And here they come to tough Boston. So this is going to be a natural resentment. But I don't think there's going to be this like, you know, where when Ray Allen came back, to, to, you know. With Miami or things like that, where the like this guy's gonna get, he's gonna get crushed. I don't see that happening. I think he's gonna get booed when yeah. he t- whenever he touches the ball for the first half. That's my prediction. Yeah, and you know, Adam, it's, a, it's gonna be a Friday night crowd. It's gonna be the biggest crowd of the year. It's you know, it's gonna be obviously a sellout. But Friday night crowds are usually more lively than the yeah. ones on Monday or Wednesday or Sunday. Yeah, so, West End, man, you gotta really yeah. just turn things up there. Yeah, it's so it's yeah, it's gonna be, but. There's gonna be a lot of Warrior fans in there too, as you know. I mean, there's gonna be some jerseys, some Curry jerseys, Durant jerseys, some couple, probably some Warriors jerseys that still have the tags on them, if you ask me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fairweather fan, but yeah. So I think it'll be a, it'll be a raucous atmosphere. Yeah, it should be it should be fun either way. And like we were talking about, maybe if the Warriors aren't getting up for the opponent, I feel like this is a game they're like they know the Celtics are kind of a team on the rise. They know you know the intensity of the Boston fans. Like yeah. I saw I saw Dirk actually talking about it last week. Who's hoping to play? I'm not sure if he will now, but hoping to play on Wednesday night. But saying like, yeah, this is like one of my favorite, two favorite arenas to play in. Like people, 
opposing teams know when they come here it's a cool event so yeah. I'm sure I'm sure they'll be up for it won't be like won't be like the scene you described in New Orleans where it was oh. like you and 10 of your best friends yeah yeah the 2500 people just kind of but they got free french fries because uh, the Pelicans scored 100 points so that's a good thing for them uh, it's actually a, it's actually a bright thing the Celtics don't do any a lot of, oh, a lot of teams will do stuff like that like chi- I think the, the Wizards Lakers do Chick-fil-A do, the Lakers give taco like even so it's not like the organization I mean it's, you would think that the Lakers were too good for that taco thing nope like tacos for 100 points so now they're now Adam it, 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 if you've seen on the road now there are all these incentives like for opposing players missing two free throws yeah. so that's become like the new craze oh root for this guy to miss two Isaiah missed two in Chicago and the Bulls fans got I think Chick-fil-A or something so yeah so what would be the logical obviously those have to be sponsored by something what would be the logical sponsor here something seafoody the legal Dunkin Donuts oh Dunkin Donuts good yeah call. because that, I mean like legal's not going to be hey a, like free, a free crab cake yeah a free shrimp you know <laughs> Free swordfish? No, that's not <laughs> happening. No, that's a little too much. That's a little too pricey. I think a like couple, a, a couple of mini donuts. Yeah, a couple that's of a little more. And a, a, a small coffee. Yeah. That's a little, I guess that's a little more charging pr- for cream and sugar. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a little more price effective. Speaking of sponsorships, uh, while you're really kind of churning out game stories and notebooks in New Orleans last night, I was partying. At the Globie Awards, the, the second annual Globies. Well, you went last year. I didn't get to go last year because I was on the road or something. So, um, yeah, so we, it's a cool thing. It was at the House of Blues right next to Fenway Park. I'd never been there before. I've, you know, I've only, not even been here two years yet in Boston. But it was a cool, cool atmosphere. A lot of people there. David Ortiz was in the house. Robert Kraft was there. Um, I'm trying to think. The other, oh, Devin McCourty from the Patriots. A couple of Rev, Revs guys, of course, I knew everyone. I was telling people that I feel like I could have told people I played for the Revs. I feel like that if you're meeting people at something like that, they yeah. would people really know? Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a midfielder for the Revs. Yeah, I think there's like two or three guys on the Revs that are like known around the city, but other than that, yeah. <laughs> no, Revs aren't exactly the. Yeah, MLS, I respect yeah. it. But anyway, what I was, what my, I was getting to is we gave, they gave out the, um, I guess you'd say we, it's the Globies, it's the Boston Globe Awards. We gave a Lifetime Achievement Award to Bob Cousy. I mean, it was really cool. He was there to accept the award. He gave a great speech. He had, he had one line. It was along the lines of like, "Oh, you guys are only giving me this award because I've outlived everybody else," and you know, got a good yeah. laugh. He looked great. Had a nice suit on. I think he's 80, 89 years old yeah. now. It's just it's cool to see him. Just such a rich part of Celtics history. Rich part of the NBA's history, really. He, you know, he still lives in Worcester during the uh, much of the season. We'll go down to Florida, I think, for for a chunk of the winter. Um, but what interactions have you had with him, and what, what do you think a guy like that, what does it mean um, to have a guy like that as part of kind of the fabric of your franchise? I've done some interviews with him, and he's a very sharp guy, and he knows the game. And people don't realize, I mean, he was an NBA head coach. Uh, he coached the Cincinnati Royals. He coached the Big O, uh, you know, and who could, re- who could forget his uh, role in blue chips? That was actually what I talked to my friends about last night. As the, as the athletic director, <laughs> who, who could forget that? I mean, this is, I mean, Kuzi's kind of kind of a man about ta- town, you know, around, you know, he's, he's done a lot. And I think it's great that he's still, sharp. I mean, him, Tommy, I mean, there's guys around here. The Celtic history is very strong. I mean, Bill Russell, when he comes in town, I think it's, it's pretty cool for an organization that has so much history that the guys have been able to, and they honor their past. I think other, I think players around the league notice that, current players, I think older players. I mean, you know, if if P.J. Brown showed up to a game, I mean, literally he would get a standing O. I mean, look at the, like some of these guys walk in and they just, you know, they, they average seven points on a championship team in 1976 and they're getting like, you know, big hands in the, 
Celtics honor their past players. So I think it's awesome to see that Kuzi was is honored, gets honored for being just being himself and being kind of the one one of the p- main people that started this whole tradition in Boston. And just from all accounts, I, I've spoken to him a couple of times. Just a really like a good guy too. You don't hear a bad word about him. Also, Satch Sanders was at the Globies last night too. Another, you know, he's kind of become a Celtics ambassador type of guy. I don't think you'll find a cooler looking seventy-five year old man. I mean, that dude is than Satch. Yeah, yeah. Satch is just. I mean, my goodness. I mean, you just you wish you could be that cool even even now. All right, guys. Well, we're sorry it took us so long to make our return, but we're back. And we'll be coming back with more uh, podcasts as the season goes on. So thanks for listening. And remember, go to bostonglobe.com to read our stories and find this podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. i got to get to Stitcher, Gary. A couple people have... Uh, what is Stitcher? Uh, well, it's, it's uh, basically if you have an Android phone and you're not in the iTunes world. A couple people have emailed me and be like, hey, put this on Stitcher. So I'm going to look into that for our loyal Stitcher listeners. Uh, you, have an, you have a droid, too. Yeah, you should know, man. Yeah, you're like the no one non-iPhone guy. Yeah, you might need it on your... I hate when, whenever I text you, man, it comes out green. I, I get frustrated. But anyway, thank you for listening, guys, and hope you have a great week.